Hey Rebels, welcome to another edition of Rebel Parenting. Today's episode is sponsored by the movie The Shack in theaters now. I've seen this movie, I know the controversy, I'm still telling you it's a good movie. It's a great movie on a tough topic. Why do bad things happen to good people? Instead of beating each other up about what this and what that is, this is a work of fiction. It is a novel turned into a movie. This is going to address some hurting people and what a great way to start the conversation. So thanks for joining us today and thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sharing this with your friends. We appreciate it. We see the numbers going up every single week and it's all because you pull your phone out and you show people our podcast and then you take their phone and you subscribe to Rebel Parenting for them and we appreciate it when you do that. Today's broadcast is so amazing. There is a book called Different by Sally and Nathan Clarkson. Sally is Nathan's mom. Nathan has OCD, ADHD, and some things. And a lot of people talk about they're different or they're snowflakes. But what happens when you really are? What happens when you say, oh, my son is OCD, and someone goes, oh, my daughter is too. She just goes crazy over stuff. And that mom is thinking, oh, you don't understand. My son is really OCD, and this is what it means. This program is going to allow you to reach out to your friends, understand them in a new way, and be able to minister to people and have a better community around you. They are so vulnerable and so amazing. Listen, you've got to go to the website, rebelparenting.org, and click on the show notes because I have links to Nathan's videos. I'm telling you, I just bawled when I watched them because they are so powerful. You are going to love this mom and this son. What an amazing young man and a courageous mom. Here are Sally and Nathan Clarkson on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Nathan and Sally, thank you for being on the broadcast today. Uh, we have a very unique situation at Rebel Parenting where we have so many guests that choose to be vulnerable about their stories, and it has just blessed Laura and I and so many of our listeners. And my Sally and Nathan, for the two of you as mother and son to come on to talk about a subject that can be awkward or vulnerable or all the things we appreciate the two of you so much for writing and for speaking about this. It's just well, an honor to be with you. Yeah. yeah, thank you guys. We're just um I just want to jump right in and just ask Sally, when give us a little background of your story. Like why did you write different? What give us just give us some background. Well, actually, it was Nathan's idea. Um, I have uh, two and a half out-of-the-box kids. Uh, one of them is kind of in and out of the box. Oh, I love that but, so much. Um, out-of-the-box kids. Thank you. It's such a positive term. It's not this, <laughs> well, I have a child with a disability. You're like, oh, thanks so much. Out-of-the-box kids. It's a new rebel parenting phrase. All right. There you go. And sometimes we even call them mysterious kids. But um, I think that... Uh, I, we have a kind of a public life, and so I am always very careful to allow my kids to mm -hmm. give their stories when they want to, or if they want to. And uh, Nathan, you want to tell how this book came about? Because it really was Nathan coming to me and saying, Mom, I think we should help a lot of other parents who have gone through the journey mm -hmm. that we have, and we came out alive, and we love each other, and things are great. So <laughs> kind of give your part of the story on that, Nate. Yeah, absolutely. I... Um I am the different kid. This is something I felt since I was uh, as early as I can remember. You know, I, I would be the kid while everyone else was walking on the sidewalk. I would have to climb the rails and <laughs> jump on things. When everyone else could sit still in class, I would be fidgeting 
mm-hmm. and asking questions. When everyone else could be good, I was a kid who was consistently getting in trouble. So I can remember from a very early age feeling very different and separated from the rest of the quote-unquote normal kids mm-hmm. in the normal world. And oftentimes that made me feel very alone and very separated. And as someone who loves to connect with people, um, that was a really hard thing for a kid, a growing kid to deal with. Uh, so as I grew and I started to come into myself and I realized that some of these differences are really strengths and really beautiful things about me and the way God had designed me, um, I really decided that I, uh, I wanted to write my story as a, a story of hope for any kids out there mm-hmm. who felt different, who felt alone, who felt ostracized or alienated because of these things that make them different. So I really just want to share my story to give people hope mm-hmm. that their differences can be beautiful, that their differences can play a part in the story that God has for them to tell. Um, so I approached mom one day and said, mom, I think we should write a book together um, from the different perspectives of what it's like to be a different kid and the struggles mm-hmm. that come with that and what it's like to love a different kid and the struggles that come with that. And she was on board and that's kind of how the book was birthed. Oh, it's fantastic. I love that you did that. Nate, I want to go back a little bit though. Um, I'm super ADHD. Uh, just nice. Yeah. <laughs> my dad so called we. me, Yeah, my dad called me Tigger growing up because of the song, the bouncy, bouncy, bouncy. I just didn't have the ability to not move. I can remember that in a classroom and I'm talking, you know, I was born in 1970. So I'm not going to throw too many teachers under the bus, and luckily I have a bad memory, so I don't know their names, but I had a teacher <laughs> in the first or second grade that masking taped me to my chair. That she, oh, oh my gosh. Well, and here's the crazy thing. We say that today, and I agree with it today. Back then, that really, I mean, you could get paddled in a classroom, so being taped to your chair didn't seem like oh. that big of a deal, except... I can remember the day and I can remember thinking, oh no, I know what she wants. She desperately wants me to sit in my chair and I desperately want to sit in my chair, but I know no matter if you tape me or not, my body is going to stand up without me wanting it to. There's nothing I can do about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And it happened. Yeah. I can remember being embarrassed. I can remember standing up. The chair was stuck to my hiney, and everybody laughed, and I made a joke out of it, and I did a funny dance with the chair. But that's what it's like. What's it like to be a kid thinking, I want to do good. I don't want to disobey. I'm sick of hearing, you know, well, if Ryan would just sit still, if he would just apply himself, he would just pay attention. Pay yeah, attention. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I, yeah, I think absolutely. I, I like it, Nate, because I really realized in writing this book that I was that child only in a time when no one knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom said I was the child who, when my brothers got guns and holsters, I tackled them. I was much younger; I was three years old, and um, you know, practically ripped them off their body because somebody had given me a doll. And um, I remember my whole life, uh, and I love my mom and dad a lot, but I remember I always felt too much, too much for people, too much for anything uh, that I did. And I I had lots of friends, and I was spunky. But in writing this book with Nathan, I realized that I had kind of had to learn how to control as much as I could so that I could be acceptable. Mm. And I didn't want that for my kids. I wanted them to live fully into the people that God created them to be. Of course, we trained character, we taught them to love, 
but I wanted them to feel as though God had made them clearly with their great personality, maybe to yeah. fill a great cause. Mm-hmm. If they were too loud, maybe it was because they were going to be speakers or actors or whatever. But I, I do remember the same feelings that you had that um, I was always, uh, I did quite well in school, but I always got C in deportment. Deportment was, oh, yeah. she talks too much, she gets yeah. out of her chair. She. <laughs> so I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I, I actually was suspended for four days in junior high for talking too much in class. So. Oh my God. Oh yeah, which for me now, now I get, paid, I get paid to do it. Yeah, it's my job. <laughs> Sally, let me ask you a question. Um, we live in an age and a culture where everyone's a snowflake, everyone is a yeah. unicorn, uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Every kid is unique and special in their own way. And while I agree with that, mm-hmm. we are over and miss diagnosing kids all the time. You know, oh, oh my yeah. kid has OCD. Oh, yeah. He's totally OCD about video games. Boy, when he gets on it, he just can't stop. Mm-hmm. As a mom, <laughs> because you've made choices around your kids that are out of the box and Obviously, I totally agree with that. But at what point did you get a clinical diagnosis so you really do honestly know what you're dealing with so that it's not this, oh, yeah, my child's a snowflake, just like every child's a snowflake, that you really do. There's some issues that you have with OCD, ADHD that complicate Uh life. How do you talk to parents now about making sure you really do know what's going on with your kid? It's not just that armchair psychologist. Well, I'm so glad you asked that question because I really feel like uh, when Nathan was 15, we were sitting in a room and he, somebody was diagnosing how his brain fired in many places when ours normally would just fire in one place. But uh, she made him stay in his room, uh, you know, and she took me out of the room and she said, what did you do to this child? And I thought, oh, no, what do you mean? Whoa. And I and she said, well, he sat still the whole time we were talking, and hmm. he has a big vocabulary, and he engaged, and he was, you know, he really honored me as a person. And I, I looked at her funny, and I thought, I have no idea what she's talking about, but I said, I have four kids, and I needed them to learn how to be in our presence together in a way that I could make all of them go forward. And so... I said, I, I just trained and taught and inspired Nathan to learn basic uh, basic character traits that mm-hmm. helped him to become as strong as he could possibly be. And uh, she said, well, if you could ever bottle that and sell it to schools, you'd make a million dollars. And wow. I, I realized at that point that even though uh, Nathan was bigger than life, out of the box, uh, that I always had this internal uh, sense that... I wanted to prepare my children to be able to go in the world and be as strong as they could be, Mm. strong as they were capable of. And I think sometimes people are over-diagnosing or misdiagnosing their children because they're not attending to them. You know, I think that when a a child has your attention, they're fed, they get a chance to sleep because uh, they're not overstimulated, uh, they're, they're having you work with them and love them on a regular basis then there would probably be a lot of people who, have, who would have a less feeling that their children needed a diagnosis because uh, I think that when a child really has some of these mysterious areas, it is very obvious because it really is very different than a child who is capable of sitting still for a while or adding two plus two. Mm. And so I don't know if that helps or not, but I do feel mm-hmm. like a lot of people are over-diagnosing their children because... They haven't attended to their basic needs, and they haven't helped their children learn basic self-control little by little. Mm. Mm. 
so so for you Nathan what was most helpful for you as growing up still on that vein like as your mom was caring for you and loving you what was most helpful yeah I think like I said I think oftentimes being a different kid can make you feel really alone so what was most helpful for me was when I had these feelings of being separated from the world was knowing that I had a place that I was accepted and allowed to be myself and that I had an ally. Um, and that was my family and that was my mom. Uh, because, you know, out in the world during high school, I was being bullied and out in the world in class, mm-hmm. I was getting in trouble. Yeah. Um, and with other friends, I couldn't sit still and all these different things. But when I would go home, uh, tired of being different, tired of being quote unquote bad, yeah. um, I had someone who said, no, you were made this way. This is, these can be good things. Uh, you have good in you. These will be a part of your story. You are accepted for who you are. Um, so what was really important and helped me was having a place, uh, a home that facilitated uh, grace, understanding, mm-hmm. and relationships that were based on unconditional love, no matter who I was or how I was created to be. I was talking to a friend recently, and I've been trying to hone it and think about it more. Of And I like what you've done with this so much of and it's much more for me with Lincoln than Lucy because Lincoln's my son and I relate to him more but I was always trying to see myself in him you know sometimes you look at kids and you're like wow I know whose kid that is they look just like their dad well neither (laughs) of my kids look just like me and I skateboarded I did all these things that I kept looking for in Lincoln and recently I realized that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure to, you know, I've been skateboarding now for 42 years. It's hard for a 10 year old, you know, to be like, yeah, I'm going to get excited about this thing that you're so much better than me at every time we do it. And I'm now just trying to see who he is. Who is he? What does he want to do? What does he like? And maybe it's right. not something that I like, but he needs to be him. The world doesn't need another Ryan Dobson, but they definitely need a Lincoln Dobson. So I'm just, yeah. I'm trying to work through that process as a parent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, actually, I'll just touch on that real quick. I think that's a great point is that you don't have to understand everything about your kid to love mm-hmm. them. And I think that mom, you showed me that a lot is that mm-hmm. a lot of times you had no idea what I was talking about or what I was trying to explain but that wasn't as important to understand what I was saying as it was to hear what I was saying, listen to me, and love me regardless of who I was, even if you didn't always understand or fully grasp it. Awesome. Well, and I think, too, our ministry is totally based on heart. Uh, over 800 times in Scripture, God talks about the heart. And I realized that for me to reach my children in any way, to inspire them or to train them, I had to look inside and say, what motivates them? What causes them to tick? What do they love? And... um and then begin to approach them in their heart and, and give them the love of God, the patterning to them, the touch of God, the words of God, the uh, inspiration mm. of God in, in the sense of their faith. And then just in life to say, uh, I used to say to Nathan, I said, Nathan, you know the story of the wild stallion? I mm. said, he did not win the race until he had learned to accept the reins. And mm. mommy is going to show you little by little how you can use all of your power um, for the race God has given you, if you can learn to accept the reins uh, that will help you to produce uh, your strength in a better way. And um, I have two introverts, very introverted, two extroverts. 
my children are all different on Myers-Briggs scale. But it was a kind of a challenge for me to say, I want to unearth your strengths. I want to unearth uh, what you were made to do. Mm. And I want to then send you into the world with a confidence that what God calls you to do, you're going to be able to accomplish and to, to let you be a person who can take risks and step out in faith and, and live out of the box because each of you is somebody who has a special call in your life. So I was going for the heart, and I, I learned in doing that that I had to put away the voices of culture mm-hmm. oh, and the yeah. voices wow. of peer pressure and the voices of well, your child needs every lesson, every this and that. You know, this is the formula that's going to work for your child. Mm. And formulas didn't work for my children. Each of them responded to a different sort of love and training. Oh, that's just a breath of fresh air. I know for me as a mom and I know for other moms listening, Sally, we just thank you for that. That, Yeah, sometimes I want to follow the formula because it makes it easier. I, You know, I can master my laptop it's very hard to master loving my children well it's you know so yeah i think that what i've realized especially with young moms i just got through the conference this weekend and um i think that sometimes people just want to make their lives easier yeah and they want they want to control if i can just control these children then i will get my time and i don't think control is a worthy goal because you're always going to be disappointed and yeah. every day is going to be different than you thought it would be yep that was definitely my struggle nate um i want to ask you around and this has got it, it maybe it's an ongoing process but when did you start to accept yourself for who you are when did you start to look at the things that culture will call a disability and they'll go, oh, that's weird, you know, and, and things that is are insensitive. When did you start looking at that going, nope, I've got something here. And were there things that helped that? You know, there are a lot of kids out there that struggle and it's, I can remember being uber, uber ADD and I would take certain meds and it would change me. And I would just think, why can't I be this way on my own? Why do I have to take yeah. this? Why can't I be like everyone else? I have a different attitude about it today, but what was the turning point for you? You know, I wish I could point to one time in my life where I went, oh, now I really love who I am and accept everything about myself. But I You mean you can't me, make it easy for us? Great. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I wish I could, and I wish there was that time. Yeah. But for me, it's been little by little, year by year, learning to accept these aspects of who I am and how God has made me uh, as positive things in my life. And even today at 27 years old, I'm still finding these things I'm frustrated with myself and I'm going, why can't I just be like this? Why can't I be normal? And it's still an everyday walking Mm. with God learning process uh, that he's showing me uh, how he reveals himself in my differences. Um, but yeah, I would say, but if there was a turning point, if there was maybe a, a, a light bulb moment, it would have been probably in the hardest time I was dealing with these differences, which is right before high school. Um, I was dealing with a lot of bullying. I was dealing with a lot of, um, I, I hesitate to say self-loathing, but I, I was really frustrated at who I was and my inability mm-hmm. to be quote unquote yeah. good. Mm. Um, and I started getting into Superman. Uh, which is uh, pretty cliche uh, for a teenage boy, but I started loving su- uh, superheroes, and I because I've always loved stories because I think stories are powerful and they always connected to me and um, inspired me. And I watched this old uh, a video of Superman, and it's this young Superman trying to deal 
with his powers as a teenager and he, and he's getting frustrated with them and he wish he didn't have them because mm. they make him different and they make him, uh, stand out and he, mm. and he wishes he could just get rid of them and be normal. But obviously if you continue the story, you find that these powers are the things that enable him to tell the story that he does enable him to save the world and be a hero. And something clicked in my mind and said, Oh, maybe all these different things about me that right now I'm really struggling with. Maybe those things are going to ultimately be the reasons uh, and the ways that God tells a story with me he couldn't tell with anyone else. Maybe those will be the conduit to me telling um, a great story. And so uh, kind of as I began to connect to stories more uh, and really in, invest in this mindset that um, God has created me in a particular way and that these things that are hard to me aren't necessarily bad things, but can be parts of a good story, that's when I kind of started saying, oh, okay, I do like who I am. I like how I was made. Um, and these things will play a part in the story I was made to tell. I like that. I want mm-hmm. parents to hear that, that it's not that you figured it out. It's just that there is some sort of a light at the end of the tunnel that we are all created unique, that the Lord wants to use us in a unique way. And the way he created us is how we're going to fulfill that and we can keep looking towards it. And I'm sure there are times where it's frustrating. I'm sure, you know, you're looking at that going from junior high to high school and maybe it was years before you figured out, oh, this is one of those ways I can tell my story in a unique way. But Absolutely. having something I'm still that, discovering it now at 27. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, and I trust that, me, you're definitely discovering it because I was watching your videos this morning and bawling. <laughs> You are touching a nerve. It's so great. It's so great to touch that nerve because I was watching a comedy special over the weekend from uh, Neil Brennan and it's super blue. It is definitely not safe for work. And I I say that with a huge warning. It's a great, it's a great, I really enjoyed it. it. He talks about clinical depression in a way that you go, Oh, and your OCD one did it. It's like, just be normal. Just don't do that. Just stop washing your hands. Oh, okay. So I'm going to stop breathing too. And I'll stop thinking and I'll, you know, people don't understand the ability isn't there. I've I've seen it in different stories. There's a great story called Peace Like a River by Leaf Anger. And there's a kid with a breathing problem. And yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm so glad. Oh my goodness. (laughs) But those things, it, it, you know, that and and I know Sally, you talk about this where you know you're like, oh yeah, you know my kid's OCD and and a mom's like, oh my kid is too, and you're like, no, your kid isn't. Your kid's just picky yeah. about what he eats. <laughs> you don't know what but, I'm talking about, and by you know equating the two, you've belittled my life. And maybe that's something parents can also do when they're around a kid with autism or OCD or severe ADD or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to relate by comparison. Oh, I think so, and I, I think that uh, it was very hard for me, and probably it still is for women, because when you have, I, I want to call them mysterious or different child at this moment, no child is the same and no child's quirks are the same. As a matter of fact, we're all pretty quirky. But um, I think that my friends, uh, loving friends, good friends, but they kind of wanted to diminish my problems. They didn't ever want me to use the, the word, oh my goodness, mental illness because, you know, that's just an uncomfortable word. Surely your children aren't mentally ill. And um, they they just wanted to say, oh, you're having a hard day, or he's having a hard day, or he's just a teenager. Yeah. And that was really lonely for me because mm-hmm. yeah. I thought, is it me? Right. You know, is it the parenting style I'm yeah. doing? And I well, think of course that, you think uh, that. 
because it couldn't yeah, be because- any, when they say those things, it couldn't be anything else but you. We had somebody write in and they literally get those phrases all the time. Oh, well, maybe maybe they're just having a hard day. And you're like, oh, you don't get it. Stop. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I really feel like that isn't helpful. And I want to say to moms, don't trust every person who tests your children. You know better about your child than mm. anyone else does. And study your child, but um, I remember I was praying one day, and I thought, I'm pretty sure you chose the wrong mom for this, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I've been so nice to you. Why would you do this to me? Um, you know, I had all sorts of very spiritual thoughts. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, um, and normal and ones. It, yeah. And it was as though the Lord said, look, this is going to be a very long journey. And this is, the, you are the mom I chose. This is the child I chose. And I want you to let me carry him. Don't you try to carry him. Don't you try to perform. You love him. And uh, and I think that I tried to, uh, while Nathan and my other kids were growing up, I tried to diminish as many places in their lives that they had to go where people didn't understand and would mm-hmm. criticize them so that they could be in as many places as they could where they could thrive. And um, we chose uh, to homeschool Nathan, uh, to home educate him. And yet we also put our kids in lots of classes and we had them doing a lot of things. But uh, I noticed that Nathan was a great storyteller and he was a great performer. So we, we gave him magic tricks and he did magic for birthday parties and he, he juggled fire and swords and uh, (laughs) conferences and, and he was a great uh, actor from the time he was a little boy and he loved stories. So instead I would just sit and read him stories for hours because I believed he was very intelligent. He obviously was. Mm -hmm. And um, so when he was 12 years old, he wrote this 40 page story not probably not very many of the words would have been spelled correctly. There would have been, been no punctuation, <laughs> um, but it was a great story. So I wrote it down instead of having mm-hmm. him write it down. Yeah. And I tried to really focus on what are the things that he is naturally good at that will become uh, the man he will you know live to be someday. And how can I not care about the performance that other people are so neurotic about? Mm. Yeah. Because I could see great assets in each of my children, and I didn't want them to feel like they had to be measured by simply a test score or some teacher's evaluation. I wanted them to learn how to, how to be in culture and, and fight their way through and, and be strong, but I wanted them to have plenty of places where they could also mm. feel like exactly who they were mm. was exactly who they were supposed to be. To love the child I have, not to love, not to wait to love him until he was what I wished he had been. Yeah. Well, and ha- had you put pressure on me to be good at something I just wasn't created to be good at, I would probably still feel inadequate mm. as an yeah. adult. But instead, you chose to build into the strengths you saw as a young man. And you said, what is he good at? What is he made for? And you encouraged me in those. And that's why I'm able to live a life that I love and that I can actually be successful at. Oh, Nathan, thank you for saying that so much. And I know Laura's totally got tears in her eyes. You guys are awesome. Here's what I want to say to the moms out there, because one thing we know in Rebel Parenting, the loudest voice in a mom's head is the one that says you're not doing a good enough job. So... If you have tried in the past, I know there's so many moms that are like, oh no, I've done that for so many years. It's okay, just stop. Just Yeah, exactly. Now that we've learned a new way, let's look for those strengths. Let's encourage those strengths. Last night, Laura's been encouraging me. I just went into Lincoln and I was like, hey, and he goes, what? 
And I said, I think you're amazing. And he goes, okay, hey, on Castle Crushers, and he started talking about video games, and Laura goes, Lincoln, did you hear what Daddy just said? And you know, me, I'm like, it's okay, it's okay, don't, don't draw attention, you know, but they have to know it because the world isn't yeah. telling your kids they're amazing. The world's not telling them they're gonna change the world. The world isn't telling them any of those things. Their only person yeah. that is is gonna be you. Yeah, yeah and it, oh, and it so needs true. to be, uh, you know, we need to find ways that they can do legitimate um, positive things so that they don't feel like we're just, uh, you know, you're talking about the snowflake culture earlier. Uh, I, I think I needed to find ways for Nathan to feel his muscle Mm. things he could really do so that it wasn't just flattery. It was, oh my goodness. I mean, I'm amazed at Nathan all the time. He is really brilliant. He comes up with these amazing ideas and books and mm-hmm. movies, and, and he's one of the funnest people for me to collaborate with. And yet um, we both need to pay accountants to do our bills. <laughs> In other words, you know, you don't have to be good at everything, but you do need to build forward and mm. speak forward into who your children might become. And I, I know that there are probably moms out here listening, like you said, thinking that they are all failing. All of us fail. And I think that living with a burden of guilt on your back or in your mind every day is just not productive. Um, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Uh, you know, therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject to a yoke of slavery. Mm-hmm. I just decided to that God loved me as I was, that... I would give him my fish and loaves and have him do the rest. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can't make, I can't feed 5,000, but here, I'll give you what I have and make that enough for all my kids. Mm-hmm. And I think that our kids need a happy mom as much as possible in the sense of seeing that we're not worried. We are not biting our nails. We are going to say, this is the day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And I, I just feel like I want to take the burden off of all these women's backs because we've all failed we all yell at our kids. Uh, then we ask forgiveness. And, <laughs> yeah. um, but to delight in life and to enjoy it and to not live by guilt, it just crushes you. Yeah, my mentor always talks about we need to be big receivers, receiver of God's forgiveness, not the uh, just mm-hmm. to accept who he's made us to be. Mm-hmm. Nathan, what's it like for you today? You're 27, you're in New York City. Um, there's a lot of parents that may have a severely OCD kid or an ADD kid. I mean, you know what you, what your mom said at the end of the broadcast, I'm the same way. I have a lot of talents. Accounting is definitely not one of them. If I don't pay somebody to do that, <laughs> we go broke. So exactly with the things that you deal with, what's it like for you living in New York City on a day-to-day basis? You know, as as Kids, some of the kids that are listening thinking, maybe I can, maybe I can't. What's your life like today? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a desire in a lot of people that eventually all these issues will just go away. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I still live with all the issues I've always had. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, you know, that's something that uh, God has given me and I have to turn to him every day. And, but the great part is is that through the years I've been able to work out these muscles so I can become strong and use yeah. these differences and even hardships to my advantage. So day to day, um, I'm still dealing with all the different issues in my life, but as a 27-year-old, now living in New York City, getting to live my dream, I started to see all these differences and how they have contributed to the man I've become and the life that I'm able to live. You know, my ADHD made it really hard for me in school and in class to sit still and mm-hmm. things like that. But now 
uh, I have this ADHD and when I'm working on a project or I'm on set or I'm on film, I'm able to focus on so many different things at one time that a lot of people can't do. Um, you know, I still do deal with OCD and that is a, uh, an everyday, pretty much sometimes every minute, yeah. uh, thing mm-hmm. that I, that I work through, but it's also allowed me to grow closer to God as it's been something that I constantly have to go to him to. And it's also allowed me in many ways to grow closer to people around me when they understand that maybe I'm going through something as well. It's enabled me to connect to them. Um, mm-hmm. but this is a long-term journey and the issues don't just disappear. I wish I could say they do. Um, but they do get better, especially when you work out those muscles, uh, of strength. And when you start to see that these differences actually can play roles, um, for positive in your life. Uh, so now as a 27 year man, I love my life. I love my differences. Mm. Um, and while they are hard, they push me towards God and they enable me to tell a story that he had for me to tell all along. I kind of, if you don't mind me jumping in here, um, want to say to parents to not look for uh, the magic bullet or the formula, because uh, I don't think they're, I think one of the hardest things about uh, mysterious children, you know, trying to help these different kids, is that we want it to be over. And um, mm, yeah. I know because I am very close to Nathan and I love him so dearly that a lot of days of his life is just damage control, that he he will never be healed until he goes to heaven. And um, I think that we just so much want our children's lives and our lives to be perfect, and they're not. And I think a part of learning to have joy in life is to accept the fact that even if nothing ever changes, uh, we can really love and enjoy each other and be close and help support each other. And I think that one of the questions I get a lot is, how did you deal with the other children? Because it yeah. takes so much time mm-hmm. to deal with your special child. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did I did have more than one child. I mean, all my children are, are crazy in one way or the other. But I think that we really developed a, an attitude of, if, it, if it's God's will for me to have Nathan, it's God's will for you for me to have Nathan, which means it's God's will for you to have Nathan. Mm-hmm. And if you... Uh, if you accept this, we are one for all and all for one. Mm. If you live the puzzle we've been given and, and try to overcome it and learn compassion and be humble and, and learn to love, then you'll become a stronger person mm. and you'll go into your world with a lot of compassion for other people. Mm. And so I would take time with each of the kids. I was famous for having chocolate dough balls in my refrigerator and I'd bring them out at strategic times and take my kids into my bedroom. Um, I did have time alone with them. But we really believed that our puzzle was a whole family puzzle and that each of us needed to decide to accept what God had given us and make the place where we lived a beautiful place together. And uh, so as I'm hearing Nathan talking, I know people want their story just to turn out, you know, in a Cinderella type of story. It may not, but it can still be a place of deep love and great meaning and probably a lot of foundational humility that will open us to other people. Man, that's powerful. It really is. It's, that's good stuff for parents. Sally, um, you've got an acronym called Launch Code that helped mm-hmm. you focus on your kids. Can you give that to mm-hmm. the parents on how, you know, sometimes when it gets day-to-day and it just gets crazy and you're doing damage control and you're just like, ooh, I do want it to be over. I mean, every parent is thinking that and then that realization, and kids do too. We have a friend whose daughter's almost 30 years old and she's realizing, okay, 
I'm not going to have all the things I thought I was when I was little, and now I have to mm -hmm. learn how to deal with that loss. So mm -hmm. how does the launch code help you get back into focusing on your kids and family? Well, it always helped me to have the, a grid in my mind so that I wouldn't react to a situation, but I would know what to do when I got there. And so I came up with L-A-U-N-C-H, and L, uh, the first thing that I knew God wanted me to do was to love him with the love of God, the hands of God, the words of God, that I was to be a picture of God's love to him every day in whatever I did. So my first grid was uh, to love him, to choose to have sacrificial servanthood love towards my son because I wanted him to know the love of God. Second thing, A, is affirming him daily. I believe in speaking forward in who your children will become. You know, I believe God is going to use you as an encourager because you were so sweet to your sister. Um, I believe that you're going to be a storyteller because I see the hero that lives in your heart. And um, I'm not talking about flattery, but I'm talking about really trying to build uh, forward into the vision your children uh, can cultivate in their minds for who they might become according to their abilities. Number three, L is loving, A is affirming, U is understanding. I needed to be patient with and understand his limitations uh, every day. I needed to believe that he wasn't just trying to trying to thwart me or doing things on purpose. Mm -hmm. Understand and learn to be patient with his disability. Uh, N is for um, never passing on guilt to him for being limited. Avoiding words like you always or you never, mm -hmm. but realizing that guilt only kills, uh, it kills something inside of us when it's not true guilt. If we can't change it and we feel guilty for not being who we think we should be, then it kills a part of our, our soul. So um, never passing on guilt as far as possible. Uh, C, L-A-U-N-C-H, uh, C is for changing his heart gradually through training and character and through giving him inner strength. So we did have a, we had what we call the 24 family ways, and we were constantly saying, no, not this, this. What is our way? What is What are the verses we believe? What are the ways we live in our home? So really choosing to say, I believe that God can train you forward in becoming a stronger young man. And then H was holding expectations loosely and leaving him in the hands of God, letting God be in charge of his life and what happened, because mm -hmm. I couldn't control circumstances. So it's L is loving, A is affirming, U is understanding, N is never passing on guilt, C is changing his heart, H is holding expectations loosely. Oh, man. That expectations one is hard, isn't it? You know, when you get married, yeah. you think, oh, it's going to be just like this. And it's never just like that. It changes the Never, second. ever, ever. <laughs> never, ever, ever. But we, we still hold on to it. It's interesting. And I think sometimes it's good to sit back and maybe take that 30,000 foot view and go, what things have I held on to for this long? I mean, and can right. I let go of them? Have I had expectations that really are unrealistic or now that we have this information are unrealistic that I need to let go of? That's a great one. Yeah, I think it just, you don't want to spend every day of your life being disappointed, right. which is what mm. uh, false expectations do to you. You need to say, okay, um, so this happened today, and, and I'm going to be okay, because I have the capacity mm. to live into this and to enjoy life anyway. Yeah. My friend Elizabeth has a statement about people. She says they're consistent, and it can be used in a situation that's frustrating, or it can be used in a situation that's affirming of remembering this person is consistent. I've known them for 30 years. They've done this for 30 years. They're still doing it. Maybe it's me that's reacting to their consistency. 
And so mm-hmm. that expectations thing, when it creeps back in, sometimes it does for me. I wish I could come up with a specific right now, but I know there's things where it's like, oh yeah, I can't expect that anymore. That's not a realistic expectation. Even though it's something I wanted, maybe I can grieve its loss, but when I realize it's a um, an unrealistic expectation, I gotta let go of it. Mm-hmm. You have to do that with yourself, I think, as well, and realize you know, there's a lot of things that you expect yourself to eventually learn and, and come to and realize, and sometimes you don't realize or come to those things, or you never end up being good at those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a whole other aspect of accepting yourself, um, apart from the expectations that either other people or family or the world puts on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Nate, there's a couple of questions we like to ask a lot of people, and so the two are, what book do you recommend the most to people, uh, the one that's not your own? And then advice to give to a younger (laughs) self. Nate, I'm going to ask you, I think there are parents out there that have some out-of-the-box kids or mysterious kids, and they're going to say, oh, we're going to look up to Nate Clarkson. This is someone we can look up to. If you could go back to yourself in that junior high, high school transition or high school to you know college transition or leaving your home and going to New York City, what kind of advice would you give to your younger self or the other mysterious kids out there to say, listen, it, it can get better. You can have things, you know, what are those things you'd say? Yeah. Um, I'm going to sound like a broken clock because I'm going to say the same things, but good. Uh, and, and this sounds so cliche, I guess, it, but learning to accept yourself for who God has created you to be and not trying to live into the expectations that anyone else is putting on you. Um, I was lucky to have a, a really supportive family who loved me for who I was, but I know that many kids out there have families that put pressures on them. Mm-hmm. And if it's not family, it's culture. And if it's not culture, it's job. And, and uh, innumerable other places that will put pressure and expectations on you. But what I would really hope that these kids and these people would grasp is that God created you specifically for a purpose, that you have strengths, that you were made in a particular way to tell a particular story. Uh, and that's a beautiful thing. And you don't need to feel you need to live up to anyone else's expectations except for the person that God has created you to be. And as far as a book I would recommend, oh man, I, I uh, read anything and everything. Um, I'm Right now I'm reading a wonderful book that is just really encouraging me a lot because, again, it's giving me hope that there's other out-of-the-box people out there who made a difference. Mm-hmm. And it's the biography of Rich Mullins. It's called oh, Aeroplane yeah. to Heaven. <laughs> um, Rich Mullins was just one of my all-time favorite guys. He was this, uh, I'm sure you know about him, he's just this out-of-the-box, passionate about God um, man who, he lived a very short life. He died, um, I think, in his early 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way he lived his life had such a strong effect on people because he lived into who he was created to be. And it's just a beautiful story, and I think it would encourage anyone um, if they get their hands on that. And then aside from that, if for younger um, kids, I would say I love the Narnia series. I know that's cliche again, too, um, but any stories, I just remember looking back, and any story you can get caught up in and, uh, and see a visceral picture of a hero, mm-hmm. um, that always encouraged me and inspired me to live the life of a hero. Yeah. Uh, oh, and Superman. I mentioned it earlier. Always love Superman. Definitely. Yeah, that guy, but yeah. So those are my those are my suggestions. Definitely, I love your suggestions. I'm going to say this to parents too. Stop listening to other parents <laughs> when it comes to certain yeah, really. things. If you know your kid, because I know some parents are like, "Oh, the superhero mythology. I can't believe that." Well, our family has attached itself to Harry Potter like there's no business. 
and I'll tell you why I relate to That's it. Brave my, you to say that on air. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. What a heretic. I'm talking about magic. Um, <clears throat> but for my son and I, we relate to it because you have Harry Potter that was born into infamy for something he didn't do by famous parents mm. with a huge mantle placed upon him that he doesn't know he can live up to. Well, I relate to it. Mm. If I talk much more about it, I'll get super choked up and cry about Harry Potter. But my son <laughs> has attached, I mean, he latched onto that. Well, he listens to the audiobook almost every day. It's a little much in oh. our home right now, but it allows him to look through it as another kid's eyes and say, I can get through it too. And if it's Superman, if it's the Rich Mullins, whatever it is, find out what's going to speak to your kid and... If it speaks to him, then let it speak to him. You know, Absolutely. I love it that you said that because I feel like all of our children, we believe uh, strongly in uh, great epic stories, mm-hmm. like uh, when you said Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, or because they they use the tiny people to accomplish big things. Yes, and that's what God does. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we actually wrote a Bible study guide to go with this called "A Different Kind of Hero," and we looked at all of the quirky people in in scripture that God used as heroes because we wanted there to be a clear message that God looks at the heart and um, you know he used a, 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 a he, he just used so many different people in so many different ways and I think that's what great literature does yeah. and great movies do they give us epic heroes who conquer things and I think your son listening to those tales and picturing those strong friendships and and understanding that he took stand and a stand against the very evil force, that's uh, capturing his imagination so that he can grow in faith and saying, "I wonder what part I have in the mega story of God." Absolutely, my goodness, the two of you have just been such a treat. Oh my goodness, I can't wait. It's funny because I, I record broadcasts and I'm like, I know I have a schedule, but I got to air this one soon. It's just too good. But they're all so great. You guys are fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thanks for being a Rebel Parent, Sally. Nathan, thanks for your courage and bravery. My goodness, we just love you guys. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Thanks for your time. Really privileged. Awesome. And when you're back in town, we'd love to have you over at the studio. Uh, Nathan, if you're home for holidays, just let us know. We'd love to get you over here. Absolutely. That'd be a blast. If you're ever in New York, let me buy you a drink. Definitely. We'll do it. Hey Rebels, thanks for listening to Sally and Nathan Clarkson here on Rebel Parenting. What an amazing family they have. They were so vulnerable. It just allowed me to see life from a different perspective, from the eyes of a mom with a kid that's a little bit outside the box. And we all know somebody like that. Now you too can reach out, have a more connected, better community through better communication. Oh my goodness, I love it so much. Don't miss me every Monday and Friday morning, 8 Pacific, 11 Eastern on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Dobson. It's news, culture, events, all the stuff that's going on in the Rebel Parenting world. And sign up for our newsletter by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. Put 444-999 where you put the phone number and then text the word REBEL to that number. We'll sign you up. God bless. See you next week.